America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Do you like to listen? Hi, spooky people. This is Andrew Reynoso Akbarzad coming to you from California. And I'm an executive producer of the History Ghost Bump podcast. This episode is entirely listener supported. If you'd like to join me as an executive producer, check out the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com. And thanks for listening. <gasps> Did you hear that? Boom. <laughs> Scared you. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. spooktacular people welcome to this 216th episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i am your host diane and this is denise on this episode we are going to montana on the suggestion of our listener tammy mccarroll burrows and she also provided the cover photo for this episode which features conrad mansion museum Apparently, the family is still hanging out there in the afterlife so we're looking forward to bringing that to you before we get into that, we need to look back at our previous episode, number 215, and we had one of our UK listeners let us know that apparently, even though we have the word derby here for demolition derby, Kentucky derby, roller derby, soapbox derby, derby the hat, <laughs> when you were in the UK, apparently the E is supposed to be said like an A, as in derby. So we do apologize to our UK listeners for screwing up the name of the city there. We totally Americanized it. Generally speaking, we do look up words that look a little foreign to us. And if the internet has a pronunciation, we go forward with that pronunciation. We didn't bother to look it up on this one because I had no idea that Derby would be said Darby with an E. I didn't even cross my mind. So we do apologize for that. And we said it so many times in the previous episode, I wasn't about to bring it down and try to correct all of that and re-edit. It takes way too long. So we're just going to give you an apology. And in the future, let us know if we make a mistake like that. But please be kind about it. We are human. We do make mistakes. And we also heard from some other people who were not kind about it. So just in the future, please try to be nice about it. We have some people to welcome to the Spooktacular crew. Yay, more people. Constance. Hey, Constance. And she shares a name with the ghost that chops off the head of her husband's in the haunted mansion. I know. Very cool. Steve. Hello, Steve. Justine. I hope we said that right. Hi, Justine. 
Taylor. Hey, Taylor. Chad. Hi, Chad. Paula. Hey, Paula. Sadie. Hey, Sadie. Haley with two E's at the end. Hello, Haley with two E's. Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. Chris. Hi, Chris. And Jeanette. Hope we said that right as well. Hi, Ann Jeanette. You know what's interesting about that name? My mom's name is Ann and her sister's name is Jeanette. It's a morph of mom <laughs> and Aunt Jeanette. We have Angie. Hi, Angie. And also Angela. Hello, Angela. Sheila. Hey, Sheila. Emily. Hello, Emily. And we had some fellow podcasters join us. We have Tawny from the Dirty Bits podcast. Hey, Tawny from Dirty Bits. Jillian from the Court Junkie podcast. Hey, Jillian from Court Junkie. And Hannah from the Film Roast podcast. And Hannah from Film Roast. Welcome. And all of those I'm subscribed to and enjoying. So you guys should check those out as well. Also, there's another true crime podcast out there that features crimes in the UK and specifically in Ireland, the Mens Rea podcast. And that's spelled... M-E-N-S, and then there's a space, R-E-A. Encourage you to check that out. And we also would like to point you over at Based on a True Story and the Brawless podcast, Unhooked and Unleashed. Both of those I've been enjoying this last week. And now for this moment in oddity. The Alps are giving up their dead. Last month, July of 2017, climbers traversing the Hola Glacier in the Sauce Valley were surprised when they came across a hand and two shoes protruding from the ice and snow. Excavation took a couple hours, and when it was done, the body of a man who'd been missing for 30 years had been recovered. The remains were identified via DNA and burn, and revealed the man to be a German citizen who went missing in 1987. These have not been the only remains found, with several discoveries coming over the past few months all across the Alps in Switzerland and France. Also in July, a Swiss couple's mummified corpses were discovered in the San Florin Glacier. They had been reported missing in 1942. Fifty years ago, an Air India plane crashed into the French Alps, and the dismembered remains of two of those passengers had recently been discovered on Mount Blanc. The Swiss glaciers are retreating, and it is believed that hundreds of mummified corpses will begin to emerge from the ice and snow of the Alps. That means that hiking the Alps could turn into a grim and horrifying adventure. And that certainly is odd. Are you afraid of the dark? That's just silly. What you should be afraid of is the thing that watches you sleep. <laughs> and now, this month in history. In the month of August in 1897... A two-year-old boy passed through inspection at Ellis Island with his mother, Sarah. He was born Moses Teichmann in Austria-Hungary, and he and his mother were meeting his father, Abraham, whom already had a house waiting for them in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Moses would grow up there, and at the age of 14, his friend Joe would teach him some dance steps. Moses took to it and started finding weddings to crash so that he could practice his dance steps. He started work as a draftsman at the age of 17, but he held on to his first love of dance and taught dance classes at night. He won his first dance contest at the Grand Central Palace, and since there was only the one silver cup awarded, he let his partner have it, and it soon was in a pawn shop. 
This made Moses promise himself that any contest he ran would make sure that everyone who won received a prize or award. He continued teaching dance lessons and wondered how he could expand into a business. One night, William Jennings Bryan said to him, You know, I have a fine idea on how you could collect your money. Just teach them with the left foot and don't tell them what to do with the right foot until they pay up. This inspired Moses to start a mail-order business that supplied people with dance-step footprint diagrams. Within a couple of years, over 500,000 dance courses had been sold. Moses married, and he and his wife started a dance school offering personal instruction, which soon branched into classes at hotel chains under the name he had taken on for himself, Arthur Murray. The franchise of Arthur Murray Dance Studios expanded until over 3,500 of them were in the country. They have since declined, but we happen to have one right here in Claremont, Florida. Arthur Murray's franchise is the second oldest franchise company right behind A&W Restaurants. Murray passed away in Hawaii in 1991 at the age of 95. Montana is known as Big Sky Country, and one tends to think of wide-open spaces when picturing the state. The state was formerly part of the Louisiana Purchase, and the Lewis and Clark Expedition left their mark here, literally. They really did leave their mark, with Clark inscribing his name and the date on a pillar northeast of modern-day Billings. Explorers, frontiersmen, miners, and businessmen all flocked to Montana. One of those men was Charles Conrad. He was a pioneer, businessman, and banker who founded the city of Kalispell in Montana with his own money. He built his home in Kalispell, and today it's known as the Conrad Mansion Museum. The mansion is a great example of a turn-of-the-century home in the Northwest, and it is reputedly haunted. The spirits seem friendly as they belong to members of the Conrad family. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Conrad Mansion Museum. Kalispell, Montana was founded by the Kalispell Townsite Company, which was formed by four men headed by Charles Conrad. The Flathead Nation were the early settlers here and are known today by that name because that's what the white people who came to the region called them. They refer to themselves as the Salish. The word means the people. The first time the tribe was written about was during the Lewis and Clark Expedition. The Kalispell Townsite Company platted out the future town and started selling lots in 1891. The city of Kalispell was officially incorporated in 1892, and it has grown to be the largest city in northwest Montana. Charles E. Conrad was born in 1850 on the Conrad family plantation in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Charles served with the Confederacy during the Civil War in the guerrilla cavalry of Mosby's Rangers. Colonel Mosby was known as the Great Ghost, and his men hid among the civilians and worked like a band of thieves destroying Union supply lines. This is why they were referred to as the guerrillas rather than soldiers, and Mosby himself did not generally use troops or soldiers when referring to his men, which were actually the 43rd Battalion of the Virginia Cavalry. The Civil War changed things for the Conrad family and left them in poverty. Charles turned 18 three years after the end of the Civil War, and he left Virginia with his older brother William, and the duo headed to Fort Benton in the Montana Territory to make their fortune in shipping. And they did just that, turning Fort Benton into the largest shipping point west of the Missouri. Routes extended north into Canada and as far west as Walla Walla in the Washington Territory. The railroad arrived 23 years later and the shipping business started to flounder. So the brothers split their fortunes and invested in banking, real estate, mining, and cattle. 
At some point in the 1870s, Charles married a Native American woman named Sings in the Middle, and they had a son named Charles E. Conrad Jr. in 1876. She was from the Blackfeet tribe and eventually returned to her people, leaving her son with his father. She died from influenza sometime after that. This was not something that was relatively made known. For example, if you go to the Conrad Mansion official website, they don't mention that he married this woman anywhere. So I don't know if it was a bit of a secret that they really didn't want to get out there. And and I'm not sure why she ended up leaving. If she had gotten sick and decided to leave, I'm not really sure what all happened there. But he was married to this woman before. And his son will never live in the home that we're going to talk about. So I don't know where, where he was living. I have a feeling he was sent off to a boarding school is what I'm thinking. Charles later married Alicia Davenport Stanford in 1881. She went by the nickname Letty, and that's what we will call her from here on out. The two had met through her brother, who was a member of the Northwest Canadian Mounted Police. The couple had three children, Charles Davenport in 1882, Catherine in 1884, and Alicia Ann in 1892. Charles decided to head to Spokane, Washington to check out business opportunities, but he took his wife Letty and their children to Flathead Valley in northwestern Montana for a vacation before they did that, and that lasted several weeks. Letty fell in love with the area, and the couple decided to make this their new home. It was at this time that Charles joined with the three other businessmen to form the Kalispell Townsite Company. Kalispell is a Salish word that means flatland above the lake, and that is where the name came from because the Native Americans in the area referred to the area by this name. Charles convinced the railroad baron Jim Hill to bring a route of his rail line north of Flathead Lake. The Conrad family began construction on their mansion in 1892, and they contracted the famous Spokane architect Kirkland Cutter to design the home. The house is a shingle style with Norman influences, particularly inside. The mansion is 13,000 square feet with 26 rooms spread out over three floors, and there are eight sandstone fireplaces. There was a carriage house and a stable built outside, and a dry stone fence with iron gates surrounded the three acres of land upon which the mansion was built. The grounds were well manicured with annual and perennial flower beds, pruned hedges, and evergreens and manicured lawns. The interior of the home was beautiful, with German immigrant craftsmen being brought in to fashion the oak trim and paneling. Electricity was installed with a carbide gas backup system. So I imagine this is probably one of the first homes in Montana to have electricity. The windows were made out of a variety of glass, including tinted and clear bottle glass, diamond-paned leaded glass, and the second floor has panels of Tiffany-style stained glass. The architect was known for including arches in his designs, and the house has several. The mansion not only was updated with electricity, but it had a freight elevator, dumbwaiter, built-in fire hoses. I love that, Denise. I don't think we've heard about that in any other house. I know. That is a new one. An intercom, electric call box, a speaking tube, and a radiator warming oven. Additional luxuries included a wall-mounted 1895 Spalding exercise machine and two Italian Onyx cold water drinking fountains. So, Denise, I had to look up what this Spalding exercise machine is. And do you remember the little rope and pulley systems that women would put on the backs of doors and use that? Yeah, we had back one in the actually. Day? Yeah, back in the day. Wait a minute. <laughs> it wasn't that far back in the day because I remember playing on my mom's, okay? I played on my grandparents. So yes, it's it's not that far ago. But it was a few decades ago that it was this pulley type of system. This is true. Well, the Spalding exercise machine was basically that. It was designed in the 19th century. It was made out of cast iron and it was this block and tackle pulley machine. 
And I'm looking at a picture of it here on the internet, and the price they've got for this antique one is $1,500. And this was not hooked onto a door. It was its own freestanding system. So I guess they had a little exercise machine in their house, an early styled one. So the music room was decorated with a hand-painted linen border next to the linen ceiling. There was also a game room that featured a billiard table, window seats, oak paneling, and a large bank of windows. And I would totally have been hanging out in the window seats with a good book. And you can only imagine the view they probably had. Yes. There were nine bedrooms and they each had a walk-in closet and their own marble sink. Talk about luxury, especially for all the girls. Well, especially at that time. It took three years to complete the home, and the family moved in around Thanksgiving of 1895. And a little fun fact is Teddy Roosevelt used to stay at the house occasionally. However, Charles would not live long in his dream mansion. Seven years after moving in, he died at the age of 52 from complications of diabetes. He and Letty had taken a horseback ride out to an area of their property that was a promontory east of the mansion, and Charles told her, I can think of no more peaceful and lovely spot for a final rest. It would be this spot where she founded the C.E. Conrad Memorial Cemetery in keeping with his desire. A mausoleum was completed in 1908 and Charles was placed inside. There are several members of the Conrad family laid to rest at the cemetery. Letty remained in the home until her death there as well in 1923. The property then passed on to their youngest child, Alicia Ann Campbell. She remained in the mansion until 1964. She and her husband started having financial problems and they could no longer maintain the home, so they moved into a trailer on the property and just used the mansion for storage. It fell into disrepair and by the 1970s, it was in a sad state, overgrown and falling apart. Campbell convinced the city of Kalispell to take the mansion and they took it over in 1974. The Conrad Mansion Board of Directors was formed and they gathered groups of volunteers to help restore and maintain the property. By 1976, the Conrad Mansion Museum was open for business and the mansion was on the National Register of Historic Places. Campbell had saved her family's property and today the museum is filled with 90% of the original family furnishings. That is amazing. Yeah, I was about to say, wow. And I even read that she still had the receipts from when they bought the furniture back in the 1800s. Holy cow. So So very good bookkeeping and and record (laughs) keeping there from that girl. Either that or she was a hoarder and (laughs) just kept all that stuff. Who knows? This includes collections of books and artwork, family firearms, children's toys and dolls, and even their clothing that dates from the 1880s to the 1940s. Tours are given May through October and start at the top of every hour. And uh, they do at the very beginning of October. I think it's probably the first weekend in October. They do host ghost tours and they're in the evening in the dark. So if you're ever in Montana near this mansion, definitely take that tour and let us know what you think about it. Occasionally fun nooks and crannies tours are offered and those take guests to areas not regularly seen and they even reveal some of the secret hiding places that families had for valuables, some of which are hidden in furniture compartments. So, you know, if they didn't have a little safe to put in the house, I guess they'd put it in the couch or something. Very cool. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The Conrad Mansion houses more than the family's former furnishings. Spirits of the family seem to have lingered past their deaths. There are three of them in particular here. 
Both Charles and his wife Letty died in the home and reputedly haunted, and their daughter Alicia Ann, who was the last family member to live in the mansion. Her haunting is peculiar in that she appears as she did when she was a little girl growing up in the house. Experiences run the typical gamut of cold spots, lights flickering on and off, and full-bodied apparitions. No one has reported anything threatening. So, Denise, this opens up a whole can of worms for us. Usually, when it comes to children ghosts, we say it's either something that's demonic or not good, taking on the persona of a child to fool people. Or if it is a child spirit, we generally assume that it's something residual. But I don't know that we'd ever really considered. I know we've, I think we've on another episode, we talked about if you could decide what age you could be as a ghost. Like, you know, if you die when you're 80, maybe you don't want to come back as 80. You'd rather come back as your 20 year old self. But could you make the decision to come back as a child? And is that what Alicia Ann has done here? Decided to haunt the home that she loved as a child? Yeah, I don't know, Diane. That is very, very interesting because it would seem that sometimes it might be a negative emotional connection, but a lot of the hauntings we've talked about have been a positive emotional connection. So maybe children ghosts are just ghosts who've come back at an earlier age when their lives were happy and when they at a time when they really, really were enjoying where they were at. And so they just came back to be there more. Of course, this doesn't explain if they've actually died as a child and then they're haunting a location. Then obviously it's not somebody coming back and haunting it who had died as an adult. So I still not sure exactly what I think about that. I still have a hard time believing the whole child spirit being left behind kind of thing. I heard another interesting thing today that kind of goes along these lines. Beyond the Darkness was talking about a mansion that had at one time been, it wasn't necessarily an asylum, but they had people who were mentally handicapped there and also some people who had some other mental illness. And one of the people there, I believe, was a woman who had several multiple personalities. There's a lot of hauntings going on in this particular mansion that they were discussing. And they're wondering if it's not a bunch of different spirits, but this woman's multiple personalities haunting this home that she had been in, if they're just presenting in all these different ways. So it's actually from the same person, but because she had all these different personalities. And if your mind, consciousness, whatever it is about you that survives death and continues on in the afterlife, if you had multiple personalities, could it continue in the afterlife? as multiple personalities, and show itself as different things. Just some things to ponder. A heartwarming story connected to the mansion was told by Letty's brother, Harry. He'd come to the house because she was having trouble breathing, and the family thought that she was going to die. She sat up when her brother arrived and seemed to be much better. She looked towards the window that faced east and held out her arms as she exclaimed, Oh, Charlie, you came for me. Then she laid back down and died. This causes me to recall we had someone post in the Spooktacular crew about people seeing dead family members right before they die and what we thought about that. Here we go. Here's an example of that. It looks like her husband came back to get her since she was getting ready to die. Yes, well, and my cousin saw her mom right before she passed away as well. 
Yeah, I, I would think it'd be much more comforting if you have somebody there that you know as you're about to transition into the unknown, because that can be a very scary transition, I imagine. Yeah, and I think no matter what your belief system or what you think of the afterlife or what that is, it's gonna. I mean, the life as you know it is coming to an end, and so that would be very frightening. Exactly. The Montana Paranormal Society has investigated the property, as has Blackfoot Paranormal Investigations. The latter has posted a video, and it's up on YouTube, featuring several EVPs that they caught while investigating. I watched the video, and I really didn't hear anything. Of course, when you're watching a video on a computer, it's pretty hard to hear that stuff. It looks like an interesting place to hang out in the evening, for sure. A former director of the museum was cleaning one afternoon when she had a spooky experience. She was running the sweeper when she saw the resident stray cat named Sweetie Pie run up the stairs. She decided to finish vacuuming, and then she would chase the cat back down the stairs. Suddenly, the cat came tearing down the stairs. Before the director could even wonder what was up with the cat, she saw the full-bodied apparition of Alicia Campbell as a little girl come running after the cat. The girl had owned 13 cats when she lived in the mansion. At that point, the director decided she was done cleaning and she would not return for two days. And she must she, have been allergic to cats. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's really what horrified her. Yep. There was a gentleman who spent a lot of time painting the mansion during the restoration, and he witnessed the rocking chair rock by itself when he was alone in the house. He tried to tell himself it was nothing, and compared to what was about to happen to him, it was. He continued painting, and then he heard the distinctive sound of boots coming down the hallway. He thought it was odd because no one was supposed to come by the house. He looked up to greet the visitor and saw the semi-transparent figure of a woman wearing a Victorian-style dress with her hair piled up on top of her head. He recognized her from pictures he had seen. It was Letty Conrad. She stopped at the opening of the door to the room he was painting and looked in at him as though she were inspecting his work. She then continued down the hall, down the stairs, and he watched as she headed for the kitchen. He immediately dropped his brushes in the paint bucket without bothering to clean up and ran two steps at a time out the front door. He actually did return to work, but never saw anything else again. Every time I hear stories like that, I always wonder, I mean, what is that like to see somebody standing there that's you can kind of see through? I don't know how I would react. I really don't. Something interesting, talking about the rocking chair rocking, we worry about flammable things nowadays and you got to be careful with your Christmas trees and make sure that if you have a live Christmas tree that you keep it watered and you have to check your lights to make sure that there's no electrical sparks or anything that might cause a fire. So there are a lot of people who like to go the artificial route just to be safer. Well, the Conrads were really into Christmas and they would buy a Christmas tree that would stand two stories tall. And then they would do the typical thing that they would do back in the Victorian era, which was put real candles on it. These were beeswax candles. On a very dry pine tree. That makes sense. Well, apparently they had a servant who was from China, and his job was to sit in that rocking chair and make sure that the tree did not burn down. <laughs> you imagine you've got to watch the tree to make sure we don't burn the house down. Hey, it sounds like a pretty cush job. I guess. I just have always, anytime I see those old pictures of the real Christmas tree with candles on it, I think, who came up with that idea? A mirror in the billiards room has occasionally reflected the image of Charles Conrad smoking a cigar. And people have actually smelled his cigar smoke throughout the mansion as well. Alicia's been seen in a room that has pictures of her and she likes to rock in the rocking chair that's in there while reading a book. During a holiday bazaar that is hosted at the mansion, vendors have had items move around. Kate's room has had poltergeist-type activity with candles being thrown across the room. 
The attic has poltergeist activity, and workmen repairing the roof saw the apparition of a little girl thought to be Alicia. She waved at them. A tour guide was backing into the attic and bumped into something unseen that prevented her from going further, and this was witnessed by her entire tour group. Executive Director Jennifer Souter has never experienced anything, but she heard about the tour guide's experience that we just told you about. She said, one experience that sticks out in my mind was when one of our guides backed up into someone while giving a tour. But when she said, excuse me, and turned around, no one and nothing was there. We've also heard many, many reports of a little girl on the third floor. That's actually a very common one. Souter also claims that something sets off the motion alarm frequently at night. And a local photographer told Souter that one time she felt someone running down the stairs next to her and described it as resembling excited children running down the stairs on Christmas morning. The photographer just happened to be taking pictures of the Christmas decorations in the home. So maybe this was something residual. Souter added, It's kind of neat to think they're around here and looking out for the place. And neat to think that maybe there's something beyond. Are members of the Conrad family still living in their home after death? Were they so attached to the home and land that they love that they're unable to let go? Is the Conrad Mansion haunted? That is for you to decide. Sounds like a beautiful place, and Tammy shared pictures of the outside, because unfortunately you can't take any pictures of the interior. So in order to look at any of those, you're like, I guess you'll have to maybe Google it on the internet and see if they have some pictures posted up there. But uh, it looks like a really neat house. Our next episode, we're bringing you Haunted Cemeteries 3. We have several cemeteries on tap that we will be sharing with you, and we will be joined by one of our listeners, Dana Jones, as she shares a cemetery that's local to her that has a very freaky legend that goes with it. We'd love to have you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We heard from Sheila on the website. I found your podcast about a week ago, and I love it. Denise, our listener, Jenalina, and I hope I said that right, stayed overnight at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. Yay, good for you. I'm <laughs> so glad that our listeners go and do that kind of research for us. Yeah, there they go, tempting the spirits. But uh, she had no experiences while she was there. And I just told her, I said, you know, it seems like the places that are the most, quote unquote, haunted seem to have the least activity. And I don't know if it's because people just want something so bad to happen or expecting something to happen so much that it just doesn't. I'm not sure. But interesting to uh, have an overnight there. I, I don't know that I would ever want to do that. And then Anthony went on the Gettysburg ghost tour. That would be super cool. He took a weird picture. It's always hard to tell when you've got these pictures that are dark and at night and they get pixelated. So I'm not sure if he really caught anything or not, but it was a little, little peculiar. We have some iTunes reviews to share, or I guess I should start calling them Apple Podcast reviews, because apparently that's the new thing. iTunes has now become Apple Podcasts, so I guess I better start changing that. So they took the eye out of one of their products. That's really weird. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> the first one up is from Video Guy 1513 Great podcast, and the ladies are awesome. Another mail carrier here. These ladies help the boring and repetitive day of mail delivery fly by fast. The audio quality in the beginning isn't as bad as others say it is. Come on, folks. Anyway, these ladies and their podcast definitely play in Peoria, and I hope it goes on for a long time. Keep it up, ladies. Ignore the armchair quarterbacks. Well, thank you, Video Guy. We appreciate that, and we appreciate you delivering our mail. No, we support the U.S. Postal Service, it sounds like. And Beaver8178, great podcast, five stars. I started listening a few months ago, starting with the oldest podcast. I'm now on episode 63. I spend about six hours each week binge listening to History Goes Bump while mowing my lawn. See, this is the way the brainwashing works. 
The history is very interesting while the hosts are funny and entertaining. I would recommend History Goes Bump to anyone who enjoys history with a twist of spookiness. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you for that, Beaver. And then, Denise, we got our first review from Denmark. Yay, that's very cool. This is from Thug Geek. Great podcast, five stars. I'm not normally a history fan, but the way they combine history and the spooky make for a great and interesting podcast. Well, thank you for sharing that, Thug Geek. Greatly appreciate that. We want to thank all of you for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producer, Don O'Crean. Thanks. Sweet dreams. 